Welcome to The Bill Walton Show, featuring conversations with leaders, entrepreneurs, artists and thinkers. Fresh perspectives on money, culture, politics and human flourishing. Interesting people, interesting things. Welcome to The Bill Walton Show. I'm Bill Walton. Increasingly, American institutions, colleges, universities, businesses, government, the media, and even our children's schools are, are enforcing a cynical and intolerant orthodoxy. This orthodoxy requires us to identify ourselves and each other based on immutable characteristics like skin color, gender, gender and sexual orientation. It pits us one against the other and diminishes what it means to be human. Um, last week, I had Sahar Tartak on the show, uh, a college uh, freshman at Yale, who'd penned an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal about high school in Long Island had become, and what she had to go through to uh, stand up for her, 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 her views that uh, she didn't think some of the curriculum should be taught. Anyway, it's a terrific show, and I've got it as a companion to this show, and I hope you'll watch them both together. Uh, I'm so interested. She's not only a freshman at Yale, but she's also a fellow with the Foundation uh, Against Intolerance and Racism, which also is known as FAIR. And FAIR was founded by uh, uh, Beyond Bartning, uh, who's uh, also an entrepreneur and investor. He's he founded a personal care company called EOS Products, which sells lip uh, egg-shaped lip balm. Um, and I'm, I think I may be a customer for that, but uh, it's got an incredibly interesting and, and uh, uh, resume filled with achievements. So I wanted to bring him on to talk about FAIR, talk about the issues and understand what's at stake, because certainly America is being divided by uh, identity politics and identity culture, and we need to do something about it. So beyond welcome, glad glad you're here. Bill, um, thank you so much for having me on. The the pronunciation of my name is Bayan, um, like Zion. <laughs> um, but thank, thank you so much for having me on your show. Well, well, well it's, it's an exotic name, uh, Bayan Bartning. What's your background? So uh, the short answer to my name is uh, my my mom was, uh, you know, I would say a, a child of of, of the '60s and. Uh, wanted me to have a, a different, a unique name. So Bayan means life in ancient Greek. Um, my, my particular ancestry is uh, Mexican and Yaqui on my father's side and Ashkenazi Jewish on my mother's side. Um, and I've always felt that, you know, my background makes me a pretty normal American because I, I think that, you know, we're a country that is comprised of people with, with really diverse backgrounds who, you know, who have a lot of things that are different and unique about themselves, but, but really are united in being part of, of this amazing country. Well, that's why I wanted to have you on. I couldn't agree more. And I think the, you know, one of the things that make America great is we're built on an idea uh, that we are all equal and that there's an opportunity for everyone. And, uh, that's that's been that's been distorted. I mean, in the, we're right in the middle of this affirmative action case now, um, uh, at, uh, at the pr in front of the Supreme Court, which I'm sure you're following, and it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. When did you when did you found Fair, and what was the specific uh, specific impetus? So uh, launched Fair last March, so about a year and a half ago. 
And the impetus for me was uh, an experience that I had with my children's school. Um, the, my kids were at a private school in New York City, um, which we loved. It was, it was just a warm, wonderful community. And uh, coming out of uh, the summer of 2020, the, the killing of George Floyd, the, the, the riots, all, all of the turmoil in our society, um, the school rolled out a new approach to teaching young children. My kids at the time were, um, were in uh, second grade and fourth grade. And, and the school um, rolled out a new anti-racist curriculum, which when I really dug into it, was um, you know in every sense of the word um, racist and and was was teaching children to to see themselves fundamentally as as defined by the color of their skin um, by their immutable characteristics instead of seeing each other as unique individuals who are united by our shared humanity um, and and so when I saw that at first I thought the school had just picked something off the shelf. They thought that they needed to do something and they had chosen uh, an anti-racist curriculum that, um, that was just the wrong one. And, and when I dug into the issue further, I realized that Riverdale Country School was not the only school that was going down this path, that, that a lot of our institutions, um, including some of the civil liberties organizations like the ACLU or the Anti-Defamation League, yeah. um, really embrace this same reductionist, flattening, um, dehumanizing approach to, um, you know, to really addressing issues, real issues of racism and bias in our society. You've assembled already an, uh, an incredible advisory board and, and gathered hundreds, you know, thousands of, of, of people in your network. And it seems like you've ramped this very quickly. I guess there are a lot of us that share your uh, share your view. How, who's been joining this, and uh, where do we uh, where do you see this going next? You know, it's been a very um, diverse coalition of people. So we have on our board of advisors people who are left of center, people who are right of center. Um, we have uh, one woman who is uh, is a says that she's a Marxist. Um, but you know, but believes in in the ideals that Fair is advocating for. So you know, our approach is really to to cast a a, a very you know pitch a very wide tent um, of where people from very diverse backgrounds, ancestries, ideologies can come together. Um, and and really, the the unifying theme is that it's a, it's a group of people who really believe in uh, in the principles and the mission that Fair stands for, which is to advance civil rights and liberties for all Americans and to promote a common culture based on fairness, understanding, and humanity. Um, and, and that sounds like something that everyone should be able to embrace. You know, I think, uh, you know, there are some people, I think, who, who don't embrace that, that approach and, and really um, see the world in, in, in terms of tribes, in terms of having people who are different from each other, you know, maybe have different physical appearance, different physical characteristics, um, and putting those people into different buckets, into different categories, and, and really pitting us against each other. And, and so, you know, I think what FAIR is all about is 
is overcoming those divisions and, and advancing what, what we refer to as a pro-human approach to addressing issues of racism. Well, I, you know, there's a view, and I think I share this view, and, and James Lindsay I've had on the show writes and talks a lot about <clears throat> cultural Marxism and cult critical race theory and and the 1619 project and the the, the fact that we've you know whiteness is a in fact the Smithsonian had an exhibit on whiteness which is an which is an extremely interesting um, exhibit to take a look at but it, it seems like a lot of this is not driven by an idealism it's driven by a desire for power among these groups and you know that if you if you define everything as racist in different groups and there's an out group that's supposed to have more and the in group which is typically just white people um it seems like it's they've created a zero-sum game where we're not working together and you've got it then they want it but what is your uh take on that you know i think that john height uh, who wrote The Coddling of the American Mind, really described this best. And I'll, I'll paraphrase what, what he said to me uh, when we spoke. But, you know, essentially, we're all born with a button on our forehead that if you push it, it invokes that tribal instinct um, that, that, you know, I think is latent in every human being. Um, so I think that, you know, whatever the origin is of this, whatever the uh, whatever name we want to call it, I think ultimately when we when we push that button and when we tell people that they are inherently different and divide them up in this way, I think that you're going to have conflict. You're going to have power struggles. You're going to have all of those issues. Um, you know, I don't know that um, that everyone who participates in these really bad ideas. Um, really understands how bad they are and, under, and and is necessarily driven by a desire for power or for uh, resources. But you know, ultimately, I think that the way that you defeat these bad ideas is by promoting the, the positive approach, right? Because I think when, when you get down into the trenches and you, and you start to, to see things through that lens of division and and, and you buy into the racialization of everyone. Um, I, I think that that ultimately uh, perpetuates these ideas, even, even the people who think that they're fighting against them. Um, so so I, I think that what's, what's really important is that we, we rise above the pettiness of, of this ideology that has permeated so many of our institutions and that we really get back to the fundamentals of you know, I think the the wisdom of our founding fathers in this country, um, and and we really embrace the concept that you know all men were created equal, and 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 that we really uh, stand up for those ideals, and we don't get dragged down into the into the petty divisions that that I think are consuming so much of our society and so many of our institutions. How did you find uh, Sahar, or did she find you? Yes, yeah, Sahar my, found Tell us about that story. It's it's a She's compelling, and her story is compelling. Yeah, Sahar is um, is amazing, and and uh, Sahar and her father uh, uh, connected with with us. Um, they wanted some support for what she was dealing with at her high school in uh, in Long Island, New York, 
And, uh, you know, and I think what's, what's happening in Sahar school is very similar to what happened at my kids' school at Riverdale Country School in New York City. It's what's happening, I think, at many schools across this country, but frankly, many workplaces as well, many cultural institutions. Um, and so Sahar um, reached out. I think Sahar uh, had, she is a gifted young woman who, who yeah. I think has, True. But, you know, she has a, a really unique mix of um, curiosity, courage, and compassion, right? So she, she really understands these issues, and I think she's an effective uh, messenger for, you know, for these ideals that we're, we're advocating for. So we're really, um, you know, thrilled to have been able to support Bear and thrilled to have her involved. Well, in well her, sto her story, and for those of you who haven't had a chance to catch the uh, the other episode we did with Sahar is that uh, she was uh, a student at Great Neck North Island High School in Long Island, and she was directed by the school officials to write a $375 check to, to fund a, a racial equity group uh, that was going to speak to the student body about systemic racism. Well, she wasn't really sure she wanted to do that, and she didn't know enough about it, and she very courageously I, I might add, she was the student body treasurer and responsible for the checkbook, and she just simply refused to sign the check. And as I said, all everything broke loose at that point, and she had a series of meetings and confrontations with her teachers and school officials, and eventually she took it to the school board, and we've got a, a, her presentation to the school board on, on our website, and uh, what, what an extraordinarily uh, courageous young woman. Uh, now, you helped her through your litigation group, don't you? Don't you have a group of lawyers that uh, helped her with the uh, Freedom of Information Act requests and some of the other things that uh, she did? Yeah, she, she actually, Sahar didn't really need much in the way of legal support. I think that, uh, you know, what, what I found, and definitely there are people who need legal support and FAIR provides legal support to people who need that. I think what what most people need, and that this would include Sahar, is they need to feel um, that they're part of a, of, of a community. They, they need to feel that there are people backing them up who are supporting them, who can help them with, um, with messaging, with how to, how to talk about these ideas. Because one of the things about these ideologies that have permeated our institutions is that um, they are using language, manipulating language in a way that makes it very difficult for normal people to, um, to oppose them, right? Because if somebody comes in and says, I'm, you know, I'm bringing anti-racism to your institution, and anti-racism means opposing racism. Who could be opposed? Who, opposing who could be against that? <laughs> so, so, you know, so one of the things that, that we've been focused on is, is really helping people to, uh, you know, to have a conversation in a way where they don't, they don't end up falling into the trap that's being set by some of the language that's being used, you know, so. Is it, is, isn't that Igor X. Kendi that coined that one? I mean, he has a, a great knack for putting really bad ideas into very attractive terms. Yeah, yes, no, I, Ibram Kendi, I think, has, has promoted yeah. the anti-racist, which actually I will point out, uh, so Daryl Davis, who 
is uh, has been involved with FAIR from, from the beginning. He's one of the leaders. Um, uh, you know, I'm a huge personal fan of Daryl and Daryl for, you know, in case you don't, you're not familiar with him, Bill, or your listeners. No, I don't know. Yeah. Um, Daryl is a, a black blues musician who is best known for having convinced hundreds of members of the Ku Klux Klan to leave the organization, right? And he did that through the pro-human approach, right? He actually befriended these people and helped them to see that, um, you know, see past skin color. Um, and, and so I, I think that that's really, that's really the approach that we need to be taking is, is embracing people as human beings and seeing them as human beings. Where do you get pushback? We're, 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 it seems like just like anti-racism is a is a term that's hard to dispute. It seems like what you're doing is so unexceptional, unexceptional, and so worthwhile. What kind of reception are you getting? You know, I would say um, we we are having a lot of um, positive uh, reception from a lot of people. I think there are a lot of people who who have felt these ideas, who, who were having, struggling to articulate what they objected to about the, the approach to anti-racism, the approach to diversity, equity, inclusion that was being taken in their institutions. And, and I think that one of the things that we're doing that's, that's uh, unique and I think important is that um, you know, our approach is to really reclaim the words, reclaim the language, you know, so we're not, we're not rejecting the term anti-racism. We're not rejecting the term diversity, the term equity, the term inclusion. We're just insisting on, on what those words really mean to the vast majority of people, right? The word equity means the quality of being fair and impartial. That's why it's a word that's been used by people who are pushing discrimination and calling it equity. You know, so our approach is to say, of course, we believe in equity, you know, but then we can argue or push back on the bad ideas. And we don't get caught up in, in this battle over language where we're giving people ownership of these words that have so much power. When you roll this out, are you going into the institutions? It seems like you could set up chapters in universities or, or businesses or even the military, which has been badly damaged by these bad ideas. I mean, if there's any, if there's any unit of human beings needed to work together without seeing race, uh, sex, or, or, you know, any other uh, differences. It's, it's, it's a military unit, particularly a combat unit. And it seems like now we're creating such divisions that we're losing our, our combat effectiveness. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And, and frankly, the military has a, a long history of of really helping to move our society forward on, on a lot of these issues. Um, so, um, so yes, we have a chapter network. We have a grassroots uh, network of, of people. Uh, I think we're in just over 40 states at this point. Um, we have uh, a, thousands of people who have signed up and joined FAIR. Um, a lot of people who are very actively engaged with their local schools, with their local cultural institutions. We have a fair in the arts um, network, which is really focused on these issues within the arts community. Um, we have a legal network, which is focused on these issues within the legal profession. And then obviously on the education front, um, that's a, a big area of focus, you know, both within K through 12 and higher education. I think we're seeing um, a lot of these 
these really bad ideas taking root. And I would say, you know, the, the source of a lot of this has been our higher education institutions. So, um, you know, so I think you, you can't really treat, treat this without addressing what's happening in our universities because, um, you know, it's, it's like a, a toxic waste spill. If you, if you only clean up the toxic waste, but you don't deal with the source of the pollution, um, mm -hmm. you're never gonna solve the problem. So, you know, I think that, you know, part of really addressing these issues and bringing a healthy, constructive approach to these issues um, is going to require dealing with it in our universities. Now your background, you're an MBA from Columbia, I think, pretty good school. Um, I'm sure it has its own issues with curriculum. We'll, we'll, we can talk about that later. Uh, have you seen, uh, you know, you're, you're, and you've, 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 you've been a very successful marketing maven and you've, you've created a product that's been successful. I think you work for what American Express and their, uh, one of their groups. I mean, what, what are these skills are you bringing to rolling this out? Because you've moved very quickly in a very short time. Yeah, I mean, for for me, I think the the understanding of branding, marketing, the power of words was was very important. You know, I think that really uh, helped to guide our approach, our strategy, our tactics for how how we're going to address these issues. Because I think ultimately, um, you know, my my observation was that you can't you can't give up these words. They have so much power. And so that was a, a huge part of, of our approach is to say, you know, we're not going to give up on the word diversity. Diversity is a good thing. And just because somebody is pushing conformity and calling it diversity um, doesn't mean that we give up on the word diversity. It means that we push back on, on the bad ideas, on the conformity that's being called diversity, right? So that was that was one, one you know, one you know, well, it seems like one of one of your brochures. I'm pardon to interrupt you, but I just had a brilliant idea. <laughs> seems like one of your one of your marketing pieces might take the words that are used to divide people and explain what the words really mean. And you, it could be a glossary for uh, how to deal with this uh, with this language, which is uh, really a very hidden agenda, very well disguised. Hundred percent. Yep. And I and I think that's something where some people have reacted to the words and this is the what it's almost a jujitsu move right yeah yeah react to the words and then they start attacking the words and the problem is when you attack the words that's where you you can sound like you're intolerant you can sound like you're a bigot because you're you know who's against diversity who's against equity <laughs> you know who's against inclusion these are these are obviously very positive words and so, you know, one of the, you know, one of the tactics I think that that has been used to push some of these ideas is to use these words, manipulate these words, get people to react to the words, and then the vast majority of people who aren't really in the weeds just kind of want to be left alone, don't want to get involved in anything, aren't activists. Um, you know, those people just see people saying, "I'm against diversity," and and right away that person lost, you know? So I, I think that, you know, one of the really important things that we're focused on is helping people to be effective in how they're addressing these issues and not reacting to the words, but instead reacting to the ideas and engaging in this in a, in a reasonable, compassionate, common sense way, you know, not overreacting, not, not losing their heads, um, you know? And then in terms of, 
you know, how we've made the progress that we've made, how we built the organization out. I think, you know, my background, I, I don't have a nonprofit background. I don't have a background in, in this space. I've, I've never been an activist. You know, I still don't really consider myself an advocate, an activist. I call myself an advocate. Um, you know, I think that having that business background, having the impatience that comes from, you know, from a background of startup businesses, I think has really helped. It's, it's helped us to, to keep that sense of urgency um, and drive that, that I think really permeates this whole organization. Uh, this is the Bill Walden Show. I'm talking with Beyond Bartoning. I'm uh, talking Beyond Bartoning. <laughs> I'm, I'm slow. You're going to have to help me with these words. <laughs> Beyond Bartoning. Um, I'll talk to your mother about that name. <laughs> I'm sure I'm not the first person you've corrected. Oh, no, no. It's a, it's, a, it's, it's a lifetime. It's a lifetime. And I grew up in Indiana where you always hit the last syllable, not the first one. So it's a, it's a, cultural problem I have. Um, anyway, he founded, founded the Foundation Against Intolerance and Racism, which is gaining a lot of traction. Uh, right now, you're in the midst, you're just launching a fundraising campaign. What's that about and how can people get involved? Sure. I mean, FAIR is a mostly volunteer organization. We're volunteer-led. I'm a volunteer. Letitia Kim, who runs the Legal Network, is a volunteer. Um, we have hundreds of volunteers, all of our chapter leaders are volunteers, so we have uh, about 500 people who are volunteers for the organization. We have a small paid staff, um, we have about 12 people who are, you know, who are in paid positions with the organization, and some of the programming that we're doing costs money, you know, we're, we're doing uh, curriculum development, we have some litigation, lawsuits, um, you know, what our focus on is is to provide constructive options for institutions to choose that are based on, on this pro-human approach, right? This approach, which is really fundamentally about seeing people as unique individuals united by our shared humanity. Um, and so California, for example, has an ethnic studies mandate um, from a curriculum standpoint, and really the only options being offered to schools, which over the next several years are required to offer this curriculum, are based on what's called liberated ethnic studies, which is based on this, you know, really dehumanizing, flattening approach of dividing people up into race groups. And, and it's also really a negative, distorted view of American history. Um, and so we have been developing a pro-human ethnic studies curriculum, which would meet the California standards and will give schools options so that they don't have to choose the liberated ethnic studies, they can choose the pro-human ethnic studies curriculum, for example. So what we're focused on is, is developing these programs, offering these programs, um, and, and then also supporting people with lawsuits, litigation, et cetera, as required. And then, and then having this small group of, of paid staff as well, um, because ultimately there are some of us who are able to put in a lot of time. We have the flexibility. We can be you know, full-time or close to full-time volunteers, but any volunteer-led organization, you're gonna, you, you have a need for people who are full-time and committed to the organization. So of course you need some some number of people who are staff members as well. Um, well, so I, I hope you gather lots of resources because you're really up against an incredibly um, powerful uh, thing that's happening in America. I mean, I'm in the DC area and 
seems like the Smithsonian is going to Smithsonian Museum is going to launch a new identity group museum uh, every other week. And I, I think the next they're going to have a, we're going to have a women's museum, of course. And I think we're going to do a, uh, a Latino or uh, Hispanic museum. We've got an Indian museum. It's uh, and, and again, this is you get buildings and they're they're identified with with subgroups and subgroups that get pitted against each other. And it seems like the last thing we ought to be emphasizing if we want a, a solid society is is tribalism. 100 percent. Yeah, we're just we're pushing those buttons and and people are are reacting to them. But you know what? I'm I'm really optimistic, Bill, because I think that most people in this country see through this. And I think they have a hard time, they have a hard time articulating, they have a hard time really recognizing that they are the, the majority in this country. But um, you know, but there's lots of data to support the fact that that people really fundamentally are, are good and decent and, and, and see each other as human. And, and so, you know, I, I think that this is a message that, that resonates with people. And, and I think ultimately, this is the message that will win. Oh, I quite agree. I quite agree. I'm optimistic long term, but right now we're, we're up against it. Well, I'm going to do what I can to help you. And I hope everybody who's been taking this in, um, Mr. Barty, <laughs> Bayan. <Yes. laughs> I got it right, finally. <laughs> Founder of uh, the Foundation Against Intolerance and Racism, a, a wonderful idea and, a, and, a, and an organization that's gaining a lot of momentum. Where do we find you? The website is fairforall.org. So F-A-I-R-F-O-R-A-L-L.org. And people can donate right on the site? Yeah, they can donate right on the site. They can learn more. They can join a local chapter. They can volunteer um, and and get involved. Seems like the the franchise creating of chapters and franchises. I, I think this could really catch fire. You know, you're an entrepreneur. Have you developed a, a franchise concept? Not not for money, but a way a kit for people to uh, set up a unit and wherever wherever they are. Yeah, we have we have toolkits available. Um, and then there's a whole chapter network community that people join. So, um, so we have two people on our staff who are dedicated to supporting the chapter network. Oh, that's, that's great. Well, anyway, I'm, I'm very impressed with what you've done and thank, thanks for joining. And I'll be pairing your show with uh, Sahar's show. And uh, now I, I, you know, you're, you're, you're suffering from the fact that you're not broadcasting from a Yale dorm room which is where we did her show, which was very charming. And uh, she, she's, she's great. And I'm glad you two are, uh, are working together. So I'm looking forward to, uh, to catching up and, you know, as you, as you make progress and, and helping you uh, succeed. So thanks for joining. Wonderful. Thank you, Bill. I should just mention, we have a few events coming up over the next several weeks. Yes if anyone wants to join us. So on the website, you can find more information. Well, what are they? We've got a couple, we, we got have a, a minute. We have an event in, uh, uh, at Arizona State University coming up on November 9th. Um, so that's, uh, that's focused on uh, the illiberalism in the arts. And so we have a number of people who are involved with FAIR who are gonna be speaking on a panel at Arizona State University. We have fundraising events in Los Angeles on November 10th. 
San Francisco on November 12th and New York City on November 15th. So I have a lot of travel in my immediate future um, for all of these events. Well, that's, that's they all sound great. I hope people take take hear about hear about this and show up. And I think the more people learn about it, the more people are going to want to get involved. This this could easily go viral. So uh, here's to our success and uh, for everybody taking this in. Thanks for joining the Bill Walton Show. And uh, as you know, you can find our show on CPAC now and Monday nights and on Rumble and on YouTube and all the major audio podcast platforms. Uh, I'm also doing something with Frank Gaffney's show uh, on, on Mondays as well. And uh, so we'll, we'll be talking with you soon and, uh, and back more um, with Bayon Gartening and uh, the success he's making uh, with FAIR. Thank you so much, Bill. Really enjoyed the conversation. Great. Thanks. Bye. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Want more? Click the subscribe button or head over to thebillwaltonshow.com to choose from over 100 episodes. You can also learn more about our guest on our Interesting People page. And send us your comments. We read everyone and your thoughts help us guide the show. If it's easier for you to listen, check out our podcast page and subscribe there. In return, we'll keep you informed about what's true, what's right, and what's next. Thanks for joining.